everyone, and welcome to the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast. Here with your hosts, Jacob Smedley, Sam Betts, Justin Reedhammer, Peter Almirante, and Nathan Romanoff. Our topics today include the NBA All-Star Game is on the horizon. Sam will preview it and break down what we're going to see so far. And the Super Bowl is over and the offseason is, is upon us. Justin will give us the lowdown on the Super Bowl and what the offseason will bring. Now here's Sam Bat Sam, what do you got for us with the NBA All-Star Game coming up? And Jake, this isn't just any All-Star Game. This is the 70th NBA All-Star Game. It's happening on March 7th. It's going to be in the State Farm Arena in Atlanta. And we've already had the starters be announced recently for the West. Now, I should say something before I go into this. The teams haven't been formally set up yet, but the starters for each conference have been selected by fan votes, from the media votes, and also from player votes as well. For the West, we have Steph Curry at the point guard position. We have Luka Doncic. Who took the shooting guard position? But yeah, Jake, I see you sh- shaking your head. Uh, Dane Me and Lillard me. Oh, Dane was Lillard very close. Ridiculous. He wa- it, Ridiculous. it was just like a little bit, just a little bit. That's bull. Damian Lillard <laughs> won the player vote and the media vote, but Luka Doncic won the fan vote. I think it was get like that out of here. Five, the fans like are 3. stupid. 3. The million, fans are stupid. That's million. why you don't have that. Well, the fan vote counted also for fifty percent of the total weight. That shouldn't be the case. It should be equal weight on each side. Media vote and player vote counted for 25% of the weight. It was very very close. It was very close. But Luka will be taking the starting position. For the West, uh, we have LeBron James, who was the team captain. He had the most votes. And this will also be his 17th All-Star selection, the third most in NBA history, right behind, I think it was like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and... Can't think of the second guy, but he's he's third overall. I mean, that's pretty impressive for LeBron James, especially for the career he's had. Kawhi Leonard will be taking the small forward position, and Nikola Jokic will get the starting job at center. Uh, the coach will be Quinn Snyder, which I thought was pretty interesting uh, of the Utah Jazz. I thought maybe it'd be someone from like, oh, I don't know, the Lakers, Clippers coach, but no, it's Quinn Snyder for the Jazz. I think that's just a pretty interesting decision. But well, he's got the they got the best record in the West. That is true. Yeah, that's what I was yeah, going to say. That is true. Both that of the staffs are the best, best, uh, best team in each. Uh, he he deserves it, in my opinion. I th- yeah, I think that's true. The Jazz have had some had a little bit of success here and there, making the playoffs. But yeah, anyway, I think that's interesting. Anyways, we're gonna go on to the East. Kyrie Irving was selected. I don't think that's shocking at all. Kyrie Irving and that Brooklyn Nets team have been on fire lately. Bradley Beal, who got sl- who got snubbed last year of the start, will be making his first ever All-Star starting appearance. He's obviously made a couple All-Star teams off the bench. He's a very good player, but this will be his first start, and I'm really glad to see him because he's been carrying this Washington Wizards team the entire season. For what it's worth. Carrying them for what it's worth at this point. I mean, yeah. there's still that famous meme of a fan telling him that he's garbage, but I think this is proving that that fan wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, you got you got the I don't know about that. Kevin Durant will be the small forward. He'll be one of the captains, so it'll be Team LeBron and Team Kevin Durant. Uh, this is also his 11th All Star selection. Uh, LeBron and Kevin Durant are the two All Star two All Stars to have uh, double digit All Star game selections. 
Giannis will be playing will be for the power forward position, and then you have Joel Embiid taking over the center role. Jake, I know MVP. You're very, very happy that that, <laughs> MVP, especially man. since Joel Embiid dropped a, a career high fifty points recently, which was very impressive for that 76ers team. The 76ers have been on a roll recently, so it's not a surprise to see him taking over this starting job. Speaking of the 76ers, Doc Rivers will be coaching the Kevin Durant team as well, which would be which is very good, and I agree with that because the 76ers have been on a roll in the East. And like I said before, for all these selections, fans counted for 50% of the vote to determine the starters. 25% was for the from the players, and another 20, 25% was from the media vote as well. I mean, I I, under, I understand not not to interject here, Nate. I mean, I, I'm just thinking, you know, I mean, yes, the fan vote matters, but I think sometimes the me, the media and the, the coaches. In the case with Luka Doncic and Damian Lillard, they have to step in and say, okay, this guy was clearly better. He deserves to start, and, and we'll go from there. In, in those close cases, of course, like the Stars, Embiid, Giannis, LeBron, you, you let the fans just, you have that kind of majority opinion too. But, I mean, when it's kind of close like that, and you have two-thirds, the media and the coach, I think you got to overrule in that case. No, I agree, and it was very close. I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong, I love Luca. Luca is averaging almost I think he has like 20, he's averaging 28, 29 points. He's a- averaging almost a triple double. I mean, he's a very good player, but Damian Lillard is has just been taking over for this Portland team. I mean, recently CJ McCollum and y- Yosef Nurkic have been hurt. He's been helping them win a lot and I really think that they should have given Dalla Dame this starting job. I mean, he's also been in the league for a lot longer than Luka. I feel like just with that experience that he should have maybe gotten the start. That's just my opinion. I really like Luka and I think like he also deserves a starting job, but I think Damian Lillard just deserves it a little bit more. Yeah, I, I completely agree with both you guys. The point I'd make is, you know, the fan vote when it comes to that, I feel like what really would put Luca over the top, you have to consider he's from a different country. Uh, it's what, Sylvania or Slovakia, and he played in Real Madrid in Spain, so he's going to have a lot of um, overseas fan vote coming into him, which obviously boosted him here, but I totally agree. I think Damian Lillard has been having a great season. Sam said without Nurkic or McCollum recently, I mean, he's got the Blazers to, what, I think it's fourth in the West right now? So, you know, they're they're doing really well, um, playing great basketball without two other stars, and that's mainly come down to Damian Lillard. All right, yeah, so as we move on here, we have the draft format. Now, the NBA All-Star Game has been doing this recently. Uh, like I said before, Kevin Durant and LeBron James are going to be the team captains for each team, Team LeBron James, Team Kevin Durant, and they will be able to draft the starters first so they're gonna have a pick from all the pool of the west guys and all the pool of the east guys so you'll see so like recently you've seen like Steph Curry is gonna play with Kevin Durant now with Kevin Durant being on the east and Steph Curry being in the western conference it's gonna be it's a little weird to kind of see but they've been doing it recently I don't know what do you guys think of this draft format I just kind of want to get a little insight from you guys I'm not big into the NBA I don't watch a whole too lot but I think that it's an interesting draft I think it's really cool how players from different divisions can come in and play like you said Kevin Durant will play with Steph Curry who's from another division I think it's kind of work as a team instead of I I guess against each other and I think I just think it's a fun way to mix things up a bit instead of playing with just strictly players from your division of course yeah, I, I think I think Peter brings up a, a great point. I mean, you have different guys playing with one another. I, and, I mean, 
those there are people out there, you know, who will say, oh, that kid's Spark Super Teams, you know, you have those guys playing on the same, you know, with the same captains, you know, LeBron and AD was a few years ago when they won the same All-Star team and then AD got traded to the Lakers. But I, I think it's great. I mean, you have that kind of fantasy aspect to the game, you know, how, how big, of course, us being fantasy football guys, but also fantasy bat and how everything... Um, blew up that way. So yeah, I think it's a great way these guys like having, uh, <laughs> I see Justin there bragging about his championship in fantasy football. But, but aside, I mean, you have these guys interact, I mean, can interact that way too. You have the fantasy draft and you see the, the captains kind of interacting there. So I, I think it's great. I also want to add in, I mean, not to get sidetracked before, Nay, I, I want I want them to do the whole fundraiser thing again, like they did I think last year too with the with the All Star game, implementing that into it. I think the players uh, responded very well to that. We'll talk a little bit about that in, um, coming up here in a second. Uh, Nate, what do you have to say? Oh yeah, uh, I agree with both Jake and Peter on this one. Uh, I love how they mixed up the All Star game. Um, you know, they've moved from just playing East versus West to having captains choose who they'd like to play with. Um, it allows you to see things like you know. Possibly Kevin Durant and Steph Curry teaming back up on the court, you know, playing alongside each other. Who doesn't want to see that? I know Golden State fans want to see that again. Oh, definitely. And it's just great for the NBA. Uh, like Peter said, mixing it up, you know, it's fun. It's fun to watch. And like Jake said, with the uh, the donation, uh, the, the money for each quarter, you know, that was definitely a more competitive All-Star game than in recent memory. So... I, I like that idea, and I, I hope they stick with that because it really brings the competitive, competitiveness to the All-Star game. Oh, definitely. Another thing I like about this whole All-Star game is that it creates a spontaneous kind of way about it. Like, you, it's like a pickup game almost. Like, if you're playing in the, in the like, a pickup court, like, you have these such random teams. Like, oh, yeah, people might complain about, oh, you have a stacked team, but that's just how it played out. You know, it's picks. It's not stacked. It's not like... You want to assign to a team, it just creates a little spontaneous portion to the game, which I really think is cool. Yeah, and I mean, possibly seeing, like, Kevin Durant, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Luka Doncic on, like, the same team, that, like, ooh, I really love that combination. But it's also, like, nice to see, like, all the different, what to see, like, multiple players can do together. Because in the All-Star game, it's not, they're not, like, playing hardcore defense. It's mostly just an offensive kind of game all the time, and then you see a lot of alley-oops you see a lot of crazy dunks and I think that's going to be really cool to see all these players come together and just put on a show so as we move on here we're going to go to the game format now this is kind of where the charity stuff comes in the first three quarters are going to be timed and then the winners of each quarter are going to have their charity going to be fun their charity is going to be funded for whoever they picked which I think is really cool and then they're going to do something different uh, for this fourth quarter here this fourth quarter is going to be played to whoever is going to score Who's ever going to score uh, 24 points in honor of the late Kobe Bryant here? I know uh, it was very shocking to hear of his death last year. I mean, think about it. It's already been a year since Kobe died. And it's, it's, been, it's very sad. It was, it was very sad. I can remember like the moment I heard it. Uh, I could not believe it. I was in dis- it was I was in disbelief. So I think that's really cool. And then they're going to have a target score. So obviously they're going to try to score 24 points. But then whoever reaches this target score will actually win the whole All-Star game. So so they have to take each team's score and then add 24 to it. So then whoever reaches that target score first is going to win the whole All-Star game, which I think is really cool. 
don't confuse our viewers there, Sam. I know, I know. I said that. I'm like, wait, does that even make sense to me? But, yeah, so they take the total score that the at the end of three quarters, they're going to add 24 to it, and then whoever reaches that target score first. So let's say, here, there is, a, there is an example here that I was watching earlier, but that I was looking at earlier, but it was still a little confusing. So let's say, like, Team Kevin Durant scored 133 points at the end of three quarters, and Team LeBron had 124 points. So as a result, the final target score is going to be set at 157 because if you take um, Team Durant's score and you go 133 plus 24, you're going to get 157. So that's the target score that they have to first get to. So then that would mean that Team Durant would have to score 24 points, and that would mean Team LeBron would have to score 33 points because they have to get to that 157. So if Team LeBron has 124 points, they got to score 33 to get to 157. So Le- Team LeBron would still have a chance to win. It'd be they'd be down a couple points. They'd be down a couple points, but they still have a ch- chance to win. I know that sounds very confusing, but that's the format, and I think it's just kind of interesting to see, kind of like have a dedication to Kobe and just kind of change it up a little bit. I I learned two things out of that whole spiel from you, Sam. Our math teachers in high school are proud of the math that you just did. And it, it sounds like it's going to be a fun event where both teams can win. I mean, they're bringing, bringing a lot of stuff from last year, which I thought, as I mentioned earlier, it brought an added competitiveness. You have that target score. Wonderful that it's uh, remembering Kobe and all that. And have, I mean, it stinks, of course, again, with the pandemic. I mean, you could feel the energy in the All-Star game when you had the, the two, uh, when it was in Chicago, they had the two kind of uh, groups there, and they were both cheering on their, their side. I mean, that energy was great. I mean, that unfortunately won't won't be there. But, I mean, yeah, I, I love the format, and, and it, it's, it should be fun, even though, again, there is some opposition, of course, with COVID-19 in play. Yeah, and of course, along with the All-Star Game, you also have the Slam Dunk Contest, which is actually going to take place at halftime. It's not going to be its own separate event. It will take place in between um, the two halves of the All-Star Game. And also the Skills Contest and Three Point Contest, so we'll have them before the All-Star Game. Obviously, we haven't heard who's going to be a part of all those activities, but we should hear in the next couple days. And I think, like always, they're going to be pretty interesting to see who wins and comes out on top. Obviously, with COVID, you have to talk about the health and safety protocols. So they're going to have like a mini bubble type deal in Atlanta where all the players and coaches are going to kind of stay in the same hotel. Um, They're going to have private travel to and from Atlanta, and they're going to try to keep everything safe as possible and not have a COVID outbreak. Yeah, thumbs up to that. I mean, right? That's what we got to think about. All right. Last thing I want to talk about here. This is pretty quick for me. It's not going to be too over over um the time i usually go i gotta uh, bring it back i just want to talk about <laughs> some possible predictions for the reserves the reserves list is going to come out on tuesday they're going to also be a part of the draft to see who goes on who but we don't know who's there yet a couple guys i want to talk about for the east uh let's start off with james harden who was not on the uh, starting list. Obviously, Bradley Beal took that spot, and I'm really happy that Bradley Beal got that spot. And obviously, James Harden, it was hard for him because he started out in the West and then got traded over to the Brooklyn Nets, so he wasn't always in the East, which I understand, but he still has an opportunity to be on the reserves list. James Harden is averaging 29.2 points a game. He's shooting 50% from the field. He's also shooting 40% from the three-point line. He also has 
11 assists and eight and he's averaging 8.2 rebounds as well i think that deserves um an all-star selection in my opinion also it's james harden and we all know how good james harden is i you see you see sam i i, I don't know i mean i i, I like james harden he, he's a great player i just know two guys off the top of my head that have had better seasons than him so far Zach Levine for the Bulls ah, and Jalen Brown oh. for the rival of the Sixers Celtics. He's been balling out, especially when Tatum was out. I have those two guys. Harden played horrendous for the first few weeks trying to get his way out of Houston. I say that hurts him when looking at his kind of first half. See, I think that kind of holds him out. I still think he's an all-star. Don't get me wrong. But I have two guards right now in my eyes that are playing better than him. Nate, Nate has a word here. You're not wrong, and I agree with you on one of those two selections. But James Harden's also had five triple doubles since joining Brooklyn. So, I mean, Nate, you have something to say. I see you. No, listen, Jake, both the names you mentioned having great seasons, great players in Zach Levine and uh, Jalen Brown. But, come on, James Harden, obviously he didn't want to be in Houston, all right? And he made that well-known. And he got what he wanted. And look at how he's played since coming to Brooklyn. I mean, he's played very well. I mean, he's playing the point guard position. He's, I think he's leading the NBA in assists right now. Um, average persists or assists. Something close. He's very close. He's deserving of an all-star selection in reserve. I, I mean, I'd put him six or seven um, in the East. You know, and I think Jalen Brown and uh, Zach Levine both deserve it as well. But J- it's James Harden, dude. You, you can't, you know, you can't scrub the guy. Speaking of Zach Levine, uh, let's look at this kid. Obviously, he started off hot really well. The Chicago Bulls were winning, but uh, the Chicago Bulls, are the, they haven't been playing too well lately, and that team is, it is what it is. They've been struggling for a couple years, but Zach Levine, I mean, averaging 28.5 points a game. He's shooting 52% from the field, which is really impressive, and especially for him. He's in that shooting guard role. Shooting guard role. He's going to shoot. He's going to... He's also shooting 43.7% from the, from the three-point line. Five rebounds, five assists. I'd say give him I'd say give him that all-star um, reserve spot as well. That's just a couple guys. Obviously, there's guys like DeMontis Sabonis, Trey Young, Julius Randle, I'd say. Give him a – put him on that all-star game. Agreed. Helping out that Knicks team. That's just a couple guys. Obviously, they um, each team is allowed seven reserves. Uh, that's just a couple off the top of my head that I wrote down. But now, lastly, we're going to go on to the West. Obviously, Damian Lillard, uh, we've mentioned him before. We're going to mention him again. Averaging 29.8 points a game. He's shooting 45% from the field, 384 from the three-point line. And he's also averaging 7.7 assists a game. Give him that reserve spot. Now, there's one guy here who's, made, who's been infamous. And Pete knows who he is, and I think he deserves an all-star selection. Stop! Pete, you want to introduce Stop! him? Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson. Give him a shot. Uh, another guy's just a couple off the top of my head. John Morant, uh, Rudy Gobert, just to name a few. Donovan but... Mitchell. Yeah, I was oh, going to yeah, say, you yeah, mentioned Gobert. Oh, yeah, Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell, yeah, give him the spot, too. Yeah, I'd say give them the spot, too. And that's all I got for the All-Star game. should be pretty exciting. I will probably be watching it if it's on TV because, you know, at college, 
very cheap about the cable channels that you get because I wasn't able to watch the Super Bowl. I had to watch it on my computer, but hopefully the All-Star game will be on TV and it'll be a fun one. I wanted to ask this before we transitioned into the NFL. Um, Mentioning my uh, favorite, just kidding, one of my favorite NBA players, Zion Williamson. Do you think he's going to be a uh, dunk contest contender? You know, I think that's not too far. <laughs> I mean, I of, think he'd of, I show think, up. Not too far. I think he'd go yeah. on. I don't think it is. I think he could definitely. I mean, we've seen the, we've seen the videos of Zion in high school. We've seen him in college Collins dunking. Duke. Uh, oh we've seen gosh. him in the NBA dunking. I don't think that's too far. I think that'd be I amazing think, honestly, to watch him in a dunk competition. I don't think that's too far fetched. I think that's a pretty good prediction that he can make the dunk contest. Well, Sam, thank you for your personal. Uh, endeavors and also your research for the nba all-star game the super bowl was a few weeks ago now and justin what do you have for us thank you jacob well last time we were here guys we were just we were looking ahead to the biggest game in sports the super bowl and and right now where we sit we're we're gonna take a look back and and to look forward to what's going on in the nfl landscape right now First things first, let's tackle the, the big game, the mother of all sports, the Super Bowl. We had the Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers' first home game in the Super Bowl era. Guys, this this one's easy, right? We all picked it. Uh, if you saw on the stream, yeah. we all picked it. We knew this was going to be a one-sided affair, but not the way that we expected it. 9-31, to 31, the final score. The Kansas City Chiefs got domed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I believe I know what happened in this game, but I do want to hear it from you guys first. What do you guys think happened? I don't know. There's two sides to this game. There is to recognize how good the Buccaneers' defense was to getting to Patrick Mahomes and putting extreme amounts of pressure on him where he'd have to let go, run back even farther than he wanted to. But you also got to look at the offensive side on the Chiefs. No O-line protection. The receivers were bouncing balls off their helmets. And they covered Tyreek Hill like no other team could. You know, Tyreek was barely open, ever. So I think there was fault in the Chiefs' O-line, definitely. There was fault in the fact that the receivers weren't looking and in the right spots. But I really think that the Buccaneers' defense showed up and showed that they could press. And they ran into Patrick Mahomes like no other. And I heard some clips on the sidelines of mic'd up people on the Buccaneers like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans going, this man's a wizard. He's throwing the ball accurately as he's being tackled behind his back, behind his head, as he's falling sideways. Patrick Mahomes is a wizard of a quarterback. He just didn't have the team to support him. The Chiefs defense kind of faltered a while, and that's what I think ultimately lost him the game. You know, it also probably didn't help that there were a lot of penalties from the Chiefs defense as well. I mean, I think it was about 110 yards lost due to penalties. Uh, a lot of aggressive behavior from some of the uh, defensive linemen there for the Chief, for the Chiefs as well. I mean, I'm not saying that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers weren't jabbing back, but I mean, you when you <laughs> have you have a lot of penalties going on, you're losing a lot of yards. That's going to cost you. So, so yeah, with the with the um, with the game, I think going into it, I mean, when I did the pick, I thought the Chiefs were going to win um, the the week before that. I started. I was. I started leaning towards the Bucks, and by the Sunday, I, I think I was on the Bucks train more than I was a week prior. And just what they did offensively and defensively, like Peter mentioned, uh, with with 
pressuring Mahomes, making him run for his life. They were missing two offensive linemen. But I think looking at the other side of the ball, what the Bucks were able to do offensively, playing it simple, running it down the Chiefs' Chiefs' throat, and and hitting hitting guys in stride. Their offense moved smoothly the entire game, and that's why it was a blowout to the end of the third. So I think all around, you, you got to give the Bucks uh, a lot of props. You had that Brady Gronk kind of uh, connection there again, like back in Boston. I, I didn't think he would get two touchdowns. I was shocked I he got two touchdowns, and then Antonio Brown got one. I was like, what the heck's going on here? It was Foxborough, actually. Boston. It's around the same, man. Come on now. Boston's a general town. It's New England. (laughs) Yeah, they're the New England Patriots. New New England is really general, so. (laughs) That is very general. My bad. My bad, okay? (laughs) Yeah, but um, as the guy said, you know, what really stood out to me, uh, the Bucks defense, they came to play. They, They showed up and showed out. I mean, obviously, as Jake mentioned, the Chiefs' offensive line was banged up, missing two starters. Um, and really, I, that's what it came down to in the end. I, I feel like I still give major props to the, the Bucks' defense, who gave up over 200 yards receiving to Tyreek Hill in the regular season in only one quarter, in the first quarter of the game they played against each other. And to come back and, you know, only give up, I don't even know how much it was. It wasn't that much. What was it like? I think I seventy three yards. They only up seventy three yards throughout the whole game to Tyreek Hill. Um, so they really stepped it up, played a terrific game. Got to give a lot of props to the Bucks defensive coordinator and the coaching staff and the players. As Peter mentioned, Gronk scoring uh, two touchdowns with Brady. That connection, Antonio Brown scoring. Just um, you know, these guys were kind of like cast away. Antonio Brown, you know. Nobody ever thought he'd really amount to anything else in the league after his whole bust-up with uh, the Steelers and getting dropped by the Raiders. And then you have Gronk, who just came out of retirement, you know, and Leonard Fournette, whose career in Jacksonville really took um, a spiral downward. But all these guys bounced back, and they put together a a championship-caliber team, and they were really important parts in this team. And really on the offensive side of the ball is what led them to win. Did y'all see how hammered Brady got at at the parade? Uh, the he threw player. the Lombardi he trophy across crazy. the bay to the other boat. <laughs> he <laughs> like, threw the Lombardi yeah, trophy. You got, got in trouble for that. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah I, fun fact. I would imagine you would. <laughs> I learned about that. There was a time where Gronk got in trouble for um, damaging the Lombardi trophy, like making a dent in it with a baseball, and he wasn't allowed to hold it the next victory because of what he did. Do you think that's going to happen to Brady now that he chucked it across to another well, I, boat? I don't think Brady's going to win another Super Bowl, to be honest. Ooh. Oh, wow. Wow. Hot take Whoa. already. Yes. Hey, listen, wow. listen. If I've learned anything, if I've learned anything from this experience of choosing wrong and choosing the Chiefs, which I mean, I, it wasn't necessarily bad that I thought the Chiefs were going to win. It's just that you can't go against Tom Brady. Never I've go against Tom Brady. I've learned times that if you go against Tom Brady, you're going to be wrong. Huh, as, I want to play. I want to see what Justin. Wait, as wait. the only fan in the NFC East or the AFC East here, I'm going to tell you: always go against Tom Brady because eventually he will lose. Never oh, yeah, bet against Tom Brady. You can't. You don't bet against him. That's true. Justin, what are you talking about, dude? He yeah, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, okay, that's I, I was, eventually he'll lose. It's got to happen. Guys, someday. guys, I, I just want to ask a question here before before Justin moves on. Does this cement Brady? If he already wasn't as the greatest quarterback ever. I, especially Justin just said he will lose. I, I want to hear his on that. Did, did this cement Brady as 
like, wait, if he just retired tomorrow, cemented him. For right now? Yeah, he is the greatest of all time. For now. Yeah, for I would right say for now as yeah, well. Yeah, he's definitely. I think yeah. Patrick Mahomes is on his tail, though. I think give, Patrick Mahomes give, is the way Patrick he plays. Five, five to seven years, Patrick Mahomes will be the greatest of all time. No, oh, yeah. you can't, but oh, I know. No, you, see, you can't I don't think you say, can say that. that now. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes is the future. You could say that Patrick Mahomes is the future. I mean, the man's already won a Super Bowl in his very short career. I, you can say he's the I future, but I don't think you can say if you give him... X amount of years that he will be the greatest. Head to head. Head, head to, to head. Brady has beaten him in an AFC championship, and he's beaten him at age 43 in the Super Bowl with less chemistry yeah. on his team in a COVID year. That's exactly for me. Mahomes could win six Super Bowls, but Brady would still be the GOAT. Yeah, the only thing that you the only thing that could happen is if they match up against each other next year and Mahomes does to Brady what Brady did to Mahomes this year. And essentially, I, I don't see that happening, um, quite frankly. Uh, it's You can't have the notion that Mahomes will be the greatest of all time in five to seven years. You know, he won't even have the same amount. Of, I don't even think he'll have as many Super Bowls as Brady in that amount of time. And he, I think he, he might be close. Won't. That's the thing. But I it doesn't matter. I think Brady beat him. He kicked his butt in the Super Anybody Bowl. Anybody can win on any given day. He kicked his I butt. I get in it, but it wasn't just Brady who kicked his butt. If it wasn't for that defense, Brady would have such more of a difficult time containing the Chiefs in that game. It they played, like a, they, they played a great offensive game, Peter. Listen, I, I want to. I, I know they away. did. I'm not saying they didn't. I want to strip away everything the Buccaneers did because, in my opinion, that game came down to three things. Came down to, and they were all on the Chiefs. Came down to drops, penalties. And the Chiefs receivers not knowing where they needed to be at the right time. Because, the, I mean, you take the pressure. Yeah, there was pressure on Mahomes. But even when there was, he would make amazing throws and get it to where it needed to be. But when he did, the receivers almost every single time dropped the ball or weren't where they should have been when he was scrambling. So so you don't away. think that the Bucks' offense exposed any weaknesses in the Chiefs' defense whatsoever during the Super Bowl? Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the Chiefs should have won this game. And they would have if they didn't have so many miscues on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. I still don't know if you could say that. I mean, the Bucks put thirty-one up, thirty-one up on them. It would have been a close game, even if the you know with the without the drops and maybe the offensive line not being as banged up as it was, it still would have been a close game. It, and I, it would have been a whole new Brady, game. dude, Brady down the stretch. I don't know if you can go against them, honestly. I think I'd that say that... the same for Mahomes. I would want to. I'd be more afraid of going up against Mahomes in the stretch. I, I, Jay, I, Jay, I cannot. Here, that Jay, is I can't with these two kids. Yeah, me neither. I can't with these two kids, Jay, go off. I know, Justin. Go off. They're not listening. They're not listening to the fact that, yes, Brady is currently the greatest quarterback of all time. He has won seven Super Bowls. He's 40 million years old, and everyone wants him to retire. I get it. We all want him to retire. He's too old for this crap. No one, and I mean no one, makes plays like Patrick Mahomes. No one can be out offensive lines, I mean defensive lines, charging at you, dive and make a sidearm throw like Patrick Mahomes. I've never in my life seen Tom Brady make miraculous plays like that and succeed. Let, let, never let me, in my life. Let me echo something. That, what was it, Stephen A. or whoever said it on ESPN? Who has had offensive line issues and wide receiver troubles? Great quarterbacks. Russell Wilson, 
Aaron Rodgers. We can name a bunch of great quarterbacks who have had games where or seasons where they don't have great offensive line play or great receiver play for that matter, and they still go out and and win games. I mean, you have to over try and overcome that stuff, and and they did not do that. And and you have to give props to the Bucks as well. The Bucks played oh, a great game. I do. I definitely, and I gave the props to the Bucks as defense, and yes, Brady and Gronk, great chemistry, Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette. My point is, is that yes, I am admitting right now, Brady is the best quarterback, but I do not think that you should count out Patrick Mahomes for that position. You don't see Brady making plays like him. You don't see Brady having connections with his receivers. Like Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, or Patrick Mahomes, and and yeah, well Brady and Gronk, but Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. But my point is, there's a time, there's a present, and there's a future, and in the future you can't count out Patrick Mahomes. I'm listen. I I just want to say this. I'm not counting out Patrick Mahomes. I just from my standpoint right now, it is very hard to see. It ending up where Mahomes, you know, he for me he'd have to win at least eight or nine. Like, if he doesn't get the chance to beat Brady again next year in a Super Bowl, he'd have to win at least like eight or nine Super Bowls. I just don't see that happening. And let's also look, let's I'm look sorry. at some other thing too. I mean, look, Patrick Mahomes can yeah, Patrick Mahomes can take the ball. He could like half arm it, like like throw it like a little dart, and it goes fifty yards. No one's doubting that. People, he gets tackled. He throws the ball. Receiver catches it. Goes to the I house with it. No one it. no one's doubting that. Tom Brady to win seven Super Bowls. He's won more Super Bowls than some than some franchises in the NFL have won Super Bowls or have even made appearances. I mean There's four who have never been. There's four franchises who have never been to a Super Bowl. Exactly. Listen, Tom I don't I don't care. Tom Brady's the past, Tom Brady's the present. Tom Brady's the future. I mean, yeah, he's 43, but I mean, his legacy is going to carry on. Tom Brady's legacy is going to carry on to the future for I don't know how long. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to be I mean, they're going to be like posters and signs of Crino Chamber for over years here to come. I mean, listen. Tom Brady will never die. It's just it's not. <laughs> I mean, except for the day he does. His spirit will live. His spirit will live oh, on even when we Sarah's are all gone. That's all I have boy. to say. That's Watch our spot- podcast after death here with Sam. Oh my gosh, that that'll be an episode. Let me tell you. I mean, just 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 for our fans to understand, I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes is a bad player. That's not what I'm saying. He is. Yes, we'll get that out there there right now. I compare it to, I mean, Sam, Nate, Peter might be able to get this. Of course, Justin not being an NBA fan. But I think Patrick Mahomes is the Steph Curry of the NFL with his ability to, he has transformed the quarterback position with his, like like you you guys were saying, his ability to make plays, his, his wizardry in the pocket, getting throws out that you wouldn't, but, but I'm just going to put it out there. This was a bad game for him. A few interceptions. He, he struggled at times. He struggled at times with the line. And you could even say, I, I'm going to go back to, to when they won. I mean, you could have made the case that the MVP was to Dale Williams, the running back, instead of Mahomes. 
at, at the end. I mean, he had a he had a good game, but not a great one. So that that that's just kind of my my equivalent right now. Where Brady is the the Jordan right now, and Mahomes, I would say, is that clearly transcendent guy, but isn't gonna be the goat. All I have left to say is that it's exciting. We have an NFL that's really interesting to watch. You see these extremely high-scoring games, and you see these offenses exploding, and I think that the future of NFL, because of Brady, because of quarterbacks like Brady, Mahomes, Rodgers, it's going to be so much more of an exciting game of football to watch in the coming years. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I want to put back on it is that, you know, it's it's kind of unfair to think of it on both sides right now because, I mean, 20, 30 years down the line, we don't know where we're going to be. Like, there could be a new quarterback that's even better than both of these guys. There could be, you know, Mahomes could flop. Like, you never know what's going to happen. So it it's hard to say right now, but it's definitely going to be exciting for the next few years to watch everything, you know, kind of fold into place. All right, now we can finally move on to the next topic, looking ahead now in the NFL to the QB market. A lot of quarterbacks going to be available in free agency this season and for trades too. Eat your heart out, Eagles fans. Yeah, well, <laughs> that was stupid. We, Don't we get me started. start with some of the trades Don't that went on here. Don't get we had. me started. I guess we'll start with the first trade since uh, the second one was a little more recent. So we'll go with... The Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff trade. Matthew Stafford traded to the Rams for two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and Jared Goff. Jared Goff traded to the Lions for just Matthew Stafford. What do you got? What do you guys think about this one? <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, uh, Peter, Peter's gonna go first here. Yeah, he's got he's got opinion. Obviously, we gotta hear it. So, I think that the fact that they just got Jared Goff was horrible. I think that, yes, I think it's good for the team, but they should have bargained for more. You know, bring in some picks. Wait, like Peter, wait. wait. They did. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> did. <laughs> they, Am I getting my team switched? Matt the Lions And then yeah. Jared Goff okay. plus picks. Yeah, yeah. No, the, Lions, the Lions gave the Rams picks to yeah, take yeah. Matthew yes. Stafford. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think that the two first-round picks are going to be huge. That's, that's what I – the two first-round picks are going to be huge. And I'm sorry that I did get my team fixed up there a little bit. But I think it'll be interesting to see how these two guys kind of work with their new teams. It's kind of like a climate flip for them. I mean, you know, Jared Goff going from sunny California to Detroit, Michigan. And then you got Matt Stafford going from Detroit off to sunny California. It'd be interesting to see. Oh, Peter, Peter's bringing out the geography lessons here. One's going from a warm weather situation. <laughs> cold one. It's a cold, cold motor city. Do you think the Rams gave up on Jared Goff too early? No. No. In no. My opinion, no. 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 I've, I've seen enough of Jared Goff. Uh, he's got heart, but he's, uh, he's not, he doesn't have the talent for me. I've seen, I've seen him in the Super Bowl. I've seen him have what's supposedly a great season and it wasn't even that great so that's and i, I credit yeah. sean McVay with that yeah, yeah. credit yeah. sean McVay with McVay that. had more to do with it so yeah, yeah. he's not he's not a super bowl cal- caliber quarterback to me it get, that season though did give us a great gridiron heights uh avengers crossover yeah. so i i do like it but you know that was kind of the only good thing apart about that really uh, I, I mean when when you look at it like look at the tray okay the the Lions, they're getting rid of Matthew Stafford. I, I'm intrigued to see that Rams offense. 
McVeigh with Stafford, how they work the work with that. But the Rams now, they don't have a first round pick for how many years? I mean, they're going to have to rely on uh, free agents and late round draft picks to try and fill out the team. We, we've talked about the, on the podcast many times. They have a great defense. Could this be the piece? Because they've gotten to the playoffs here, even the past few years when Jared Goff hasn't been playing well. Is this the move to get them back to the championship? Like, championship game in the NFC? I, I, we'll have to see, but definitely win for the Rams. They are now stacked, strapped with cash with all these big contracts they have, but I'd say it's a win for both sides. Lions move on and start fresh with draft picks, and Rams get a great quarterback. Yeah, I could definitely agree with that. I mean, you know, Matthew Stafford, he's still a great quarterback. You know, he got stuck with the Lions, which they haven't been very good the past 10, 15 years. So it's been tough for him. You know, he hasn't really got a good go at it. But I think that this could be a new turning point for him. You know, he's got some good receivers over there. The defense is very good overall on the Rams. So, you know, he, he might have something to work with. We'll see what he can do. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Um, I like the trade. You know, I, they, I feel like they gave up. I don't like giving up two first-rounders when it comes down to it. As Jake said, the Rams, they're going to go without a first-round pick. It's it's, it's going to be a while it's, uh, since they've had changer. one. And it's it's dangerous, honestly. It's it's basically playing it's basically playing the game. You know, we got to win. No, they're basically saying we got to win now with this group of guys, our defense, and Matt Stafford at quarterback. You know, we, we've got a window now, all right? And we can't really mess it up. That's how I view it for that. There are teams that have done well without a first-round pick. I mean, just look last year. The yeah. Bills, the Bills didn't have a first-round pick, and they were in the AFC Championship. But, 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 no, but that's different. One, That's one season, Justin. This is multiple seasons without a first-round pick. The like, I think ago. at least, like, four or five. It's been four or five. Yeah, I think it was four. So, I... And that yeah, builds up. was the first rounder, so. Yeah, and that was their last, I think that was their last first round pick, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. I, and listen, I like Stafford to the Rams. I think he makes them a contender uh, for uh, NFC champions. You know, we'll have to see how he molds, how he meshes with the team. And I like the business by Detroit, you know. It's rebuilding there. They got the two first round picks, a third rounder, and Jared Goff, who, you know, they can choose to try out or, you know, move on from depending on what they see whether they like it or not it's a good it's a good uh a good uh trade off overall like i said i just don't like giving up necessarily two first rounders i maybe would have tried and worked something to keep one of those for the rams all right and then we'll go to the the next trade the one that we've alluded to already really recent <laughs> this one we usually don't get stuff this recent i mean it just happened what friday thursday carson wentz traded to the colts for a 2021 third round pick and a 2022 second round pick, which can become a first round pick. I mean, they basically traded him for change, guys. At that this was point. stupid. It's, it, it's, that it's was what stupid. he what he ended up being worth. I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, and I mentioned this not to self plug for before uh, my individual sports thing, but but um, yeah. I, you would have, wouldn't have imagined in 2017 Carson Wentz with the year that he had to be worth a third and a conditional second three years later with the, the season that he had. I mean, it's just what it ended up being. He won it out. 
he wanted out of, out of Philly, and and he had a horrendous season, and that's what you're going to get for him. And I, I think it was right, like like the ESPN analysts are saying, it was right on both sides. The Eagles had to get rid of him, and the Colts they give up a few draft picks and. You know, they, they take a shot on a guy, and after Philip Rivers out the door, now you have Wentz, and maybe Frank White can rekindle something. I Going off of that, I really despise the Eagles general manager. I really do. I think he's horrible at his job. I'm going to put that out there. I think he needed to go about 50 years ago. So, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy that the Eagles had Wentz when they did. Like Jake said in 2017, he was phenomenal. I mean, MVP. he was one of those yeah. outstanding quarterbacks. And, you know, unfortunately with the injuries to his um, knee and, you know, there were times where he's gotten injured in other seasons that really have set him back. I think that that kind of caught up with him. And then, I don't know, I think that they should have traded him for more than a third round and a conditional second round pick in 2022 i think that he's worth a little bit more than that but it'll be interesting to see what the colts do i think that the colts need a new starting quarterback and i because of philip rivers but i think it'll be interesting i think that you know you see what the colts did with philip rivers in just this season when he was coming from the chargers and they turned him into a pretty good quarterback with that colts team so it'll be interesting to see what the colts do with carson wentz and you know, like I said, I'm grateful for him being in Philly for his time, and I'm excited to see what the Colts franchise decides to do with him, and we'll see if Philly decides to start Jalen Hurts or pick up a quarterback and have him kind of fight for the starting position, which, you know, our GM is going to make horrible draft decisions. We already know that's going to happen, but we'll just have to see what, what kindles from all this. Going in, like, we knew Carson Wentz, uh, he didn't want to play backup to Jalen Hurts next year. We knew all this. You know, we knew basically he was going to leave. It was just a matter of time. And honestly, I, I think after the year he had last year, which honestly, he was just terrible last year. You know, the Eagles got probably what he was worth at this moment in time. A third and a second conditional round pick. That to me is what he's worth. And, you know, the Eagles, they all, I, you, you hear them coming out saying, oh, we want a first or, you know, a couple of firsts. That's just not realistic. No. After the season he had, unfortunately. That being said, there's the po- I, there's a possibility here for Carson Wentz to uh, perhaps return to form under Frank Wright, who he, like Jake said, he had a great season under in 2017, um, MVP numbers. I don't know if that'll happen. We'll see. The Colts are definitely in a better position to win as of right now than the Eagles are, um, in my opinion. Oh, definitely. Great defense. <laughs> there's no great, question about yeah, it. Yeah, no question about it. You don't have to. You don't have to tell that. That's that's yeah. I mean, great offensive line, great defense, weapons all over. Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, uh, still got T. Y. Hilton, uh, balling out there. So perhaps he can turn it around. I don't know that he will. It was worth taking a shot on though, especially with Frank Wright as the coach for the Colts. And I, I think the Eagles, you know, they they got probably what he was worth in return. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that it's it was probably a good trade on both ends, you know. And maybe Frank Wright can turn Carson Wentz back into that 2017 form. Maybe not. We'll we'll find out next season. All right, and I just gotta I'm gonna now go over just some of the other quarterbacks that are available or possibly available, depending on what happens coming up in the next few weeks. Here we have Jimmy Garoppolo, 
Dak Prescott, Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzmagic, gotta watch that one, Mitchell Trubisky, Terod Taylor, Andy Dalton, and the infamous Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I I oh, was, I really quickly want to touch up on Deshaun Watson before we move on to the last topic that I want to talk about. I could about. be completely wrong, but I thought I heard that the Texans weren't really pressing to release him. He wants to be traded. I know he, he wants out. to be. He wants I know out. he does. I, I just thought I read something about the Texans franchise itself saying we're not pressing to get rid of him as much as he wants to leave. Well, what, what do you guys think would be a good fit for him? The best fit for him out, out of any place, probably. The Cowboys. Cowboys. <laughs> Man, that's, that's out of the air. I mean, I, yeah. I know we talked about that, uh, talked about it on, on, on the street for those who watched. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I still think the Bears should, should go after him. I mean, it's not a bad idea. Make, make mistake, make, don't make the same mistake twice in, in the sense that they didn't <laughs> draft him. Of course, the whole yeah. thing still with they drafted Trubisky over Mahomes and Watson. I mean, I, I say you, you, uh, you mortgage the house for him. I, if, 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 if you understand that way, I mean, you've had quarterback problems with how, Matt, pair him up with Matt Nagy with the defense that they still have. I think that could be a scary team to the NFC if they can pick him up. I'll take this in a little different direction, Jake. I I like the Bears, but uh, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna say the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I think as of right now would be the bet best fit for Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, look what they did last year. Uh, eleven and five, just barely missing out on the playoffs. Um, ten and six. My bad. Just barely missing out on the playoffs with Tua and Ryan Fitzmagic um, under center throughout the season. You know, switching off and on. Uh, they're a team that's built to go to the playoffs, make the playoffs. And I like their defense. I like what they've got going on on offense. Kasiki is turning into a top 10, top maybe top 5 tight end in the NFL for me personally. I like their running game with Miles Gaskin. I like their coach, Flores. I think he's a great coach. And I think it's a place Deshaun Watson would be able to uh, really flourish uh, under their offensive scheme. And I just feel like... That would be the best fit for him. The, but, yeah, the Bears are also a good destination. I think those would probably be the top two destinations in in my mind. I think we could all agree that if Deshaun Watson gets traded, the Texans are pretty much screwed. I mean, J.J. Watt being gone, you already lost D-Hop, and there goes DeAndre Hop. I mean, um, Deshaun Watson... You're pretty much screwed. Yeah, I I do like the Bears, like you said, but I think that if the Niners can't retain Jimmy Garoppolo, they're gonna go for uh, Deshaun Watson. So I go with. Yeah, I, I didn't think about that. You know what though? That. Yeah, yeah. Food George thought, yeah. Kittle and Deshaun Watson would be a crazy QB tight end. That's what I'm matchup. saying. That would be insane. A lot Another of great big spots NFC. For him. All right, what one more one more guy to really think about here? JJ Watt just released from the Texans. Has a couple places he wants to go. What do you guys think? Cuz he he's definitely landing somewhere. But there's a couple spots that he could go that it could really shape the end of his career, so what do you think? I mean, I know I know there's the whole thing, oh yeah, get all the Watt brothers together in Pittsburgh. I mean, you have TJ, you have Derek no, 
He's no. going to go to the Browns. I'm oh. just saying, he's going to go to the Browns. He's going to be on the other side of Miles Garrett. And that would be scary. Win the division next year. You heard it first. You heard it first. He's Yo, going to the Browns. Jacob, Jacob, I see Nate pointing to you. Bro, that... And I and I thought about that combination for a second there. That would be a hard threat to face as an offense when you got two massive guys running at you who have numerous amounts of sacks per game and hundreds of sacks per season and year. Like these two, um, Miles Garrett and JJ Watt are two tanks. And as a quarterback, I'd probably just forfeit the game right then and there. <laughs> I quit. I would really quit. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. Actually, uh, you know, I I did a little bit of uh, note taking before the episode, and Ooh. number one spot Ooh. on my list, first team I wrote down is the Browns. They are right there. I can't agree with you more, Jake. I think that that is truly the best destination, <laughs> best destination <laughs> for uh, JJ Watt. The idea of him and Miles Garrett on either on both on either side of the uh, defensive oh line is gosh. just in- it's it's scary. Scary to think of it for a quarterback. Yeah. yeah and Nate, how, how many teams do you have on there? How many teams? Just four. The Browns. My second team would be the Titans, which I think would be a good team. Uh, a win. He needs to go to a win now. He's at the end of his career, basically. You know, maybe three, four good years left, um, you know, depending on if whether or not gets injured. And uh, the Titans would be a good fit, good defense. I like Mike Vrabel, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry. They got a good offense. Definitely in a position to win, like the Browns, who also have a good defense and offense. I then have the Bills, who me and Justin discussed them actually last night a little bit. It'd be a good fit for him. Definitely a team that's up there in the AFC. Like you said, they they lost to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. He definitely boosts that defense. A more intimidating too. And then uh, the, the final team I had was the Steelers, but uh, I don't, no. they're not really in a win now situation. They're, they're not a team that's going to be capable of winning in that AFC in the future. So I just no. don't think um, he's going to go there. The only reason I could see it would be to play with his brothers. But for me, I, I feel like he wants to win before yeah. his time's up. And the best teams, the best options for that, in my opinion, would be the Browns, Titans, or Bills. Yeah, I I had I have a top five of my own, you know. At, at, the bo- at number five, I had the Steelers just because of the connections, you know. But number four, I had the Buccaneers because they they had defensive needs that they need to fill, and then third third I had the Browns. I think that that would be a very good tandem, you know, with Miles Garrett, JJ Watt. That would be an unstoppable force you have there. And then you have my second Green Bay Packers. I think that being on the Packers, he would just do so much for that defense that really needs a big boost. And then for my number one, I have I have the Bills there. I think that fanboy. Of course you do. He'd of have, course you do. He'd have a great scheme fit. That's why he. That's my number one reason for that. He'd have oh, a great scheme. scheme fit. Honestly, honestly though, honestly though, I think that if I what is his ultimate team? No, but honestly though, I think that he would make the Bills defense just a little bit more intimidating than it is. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens to him. Packers was an interesting pick, too, from Wisconsin. Yeah. I didn't think about yeah. that. That would be next to the Brown. That's like 1A, that, That's my. That's my number two right there. Because yeah. they're definitely a winning team. That should wrap things up for today's episode of the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast. Thank you all for listening. You can find future episodes right here on YouTube again. Thank you all for listening.